James chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the songs that's been sung tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the singing of the blood. The blood of Jesus can make the vilest sinner clean. I thank you, Lord, for it. And Father, we ask you this evening, if there's one still in their sin tonight, we pray, Lord, that you would reach them, that you would draw them, that you would save them, enable them to see your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. My Father, I pray you would settle us in our minds and our hearts and take every distracting thought and opposing spirit and bind it in the name of Jesus. And now, Father, settle us in our hearts and even in our seats, we pray that Christ would be seen among us again, that he would have the preeminence and that someone may call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Move our hearts. Move our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. This evening we are looking at things man takes for granted. Things man takes for granted. I think the last time I preached on this portion of Scripture, it was a young man who came in one Sunday night to the church and He was uh, telling people online how much he loved what he heard. And he was saying the right things online. But whether he had made his calling an election, sure, I leave this with God. Sunday evening that was, and by the Monday morning, he put his work clothes on, put on his boots He went to work and within minutes he was dead. A young man in his 30s. A tragic accident had happened and our brother Stephen was there. He worked with him and he put his boots on in the morning and someone else And a morgue took his boots off that night. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. 
then vanisheth away. Things man takes for granted is time. We think with all the time in the world. Things man takes for granted is God's long suffering. And things man takes for granted is that he or she will one day be in heaven without ever recognizing the finished work of the cross of Christ and receiving him as their own Lord and personal Savior. So we take life for granted. We live, we work, we plan, we have our pleasures and our parties. And we take it all for granted that we will be okay. We take it for granted that we are okay. While all the time away from Christ, rejecting the word of God, rejecting the blood of God's son, rejecting his death, burial and resurrection as our only means of salvation, rejecting the blood of the lamb thinking we can cleanse our ways ourselves, that we are able to save ourselves. Sure, we're not too bad, we say. Sure, we're not too bad, we say. And yet the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We take life for granted. The breath in your lungs We take it for granted. The beat of our hearts, we don't even realize that it's beating until we exert ourselves. We take it for granted. Another day, another week, another month, a planning down the years, we take it for granted. We take it for granted that God will give us life and it always happens to someone else and that death angel never wraps our own door. James chapter 4 and verse 13, listen to what he says. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year. You've taken time for granted. A year, we'll spend a year here and we take the time for granted as if we are the owners of time and as if we are the owners of that year. When all of it is in the hands of God, the very breath in our nostrils is owned by God. And yet people turn that very nose up toward heaven and they shake the fist as if there is no God. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. In other words, we will build our life. Nothing wrong with building your life. But we build it, taking it for granted, and we build it, taking it for granted that we have as long as we want and we will do all we want, building our own kingdom. The Bible isn't pointing to us to say that we cannot plan ahead. We all need to plan 
for tomorrow. We all need to plan if we want to go away for a holiday or for whatever. We all need to plan. And the Bible is not saying that we should not plan, nor is it saying that we are to be uh, very lackadaisical in our ways that we just don't bother with anything and life goes into chaos. No, it is saying that you must say, if God wills it, if God wills it. If God wills it, I'll be alive tomorrow. If God wills it, I'll make it home this evening. Not so long ago, I preached a gospel message and an old man was in the meeting and he turned away so near yet so far like Judas Iscariot who kissed the gate of heaven when he kissed the cheek of Christ and went to hell. And this old man refused the Christ that was presented and he refused the words that we told him and he got into his car some maybe 10 years ago and he drove down a road and he died. He took it for granted. I'll see you again, he says. I'll see you again. And he never seen me again. Things man takes for granted. The Bible is not saying that we cannot prepare for we must prepare for our lives and for our families. But it is saying, if the Lord wills it. If the Lord wills it, you'll make it home tonight. If the Lord wills it, you'll wake up in the morning. If the Lord wills it, you'll live through the day. If the Lord wills it. Notice what James says here. In verse 15, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live. Take a note of that. If the Lord will, you'll live. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If God is willing, then it will happen. If God wills you to live to your 100 years of age, you will live to your 100 years of age. But if God wills it to take our heartbeat tonight, then our heartbeat will stop tonight. We always say, well, I always say, I'm sure others, and I've heard many of you saying, yes, we'll, we'll be there, God willing. We'll be there, God willing. Not presuming, God willing. Or we'll be there, DV, and people might say, well, what does DV mean? Deo Valente. It's Latin. Deo Valente means God willing. And so we're taking things for granted when we are looking at what we can do, the length of time that we will have, and what we will gather in order to build up for what we want with it. If you will, will you turn with me, please, to Luke's Gospel, marking James chapter 4. Luke's Gospel, please. And if you'll turn with me, please, to chapter 12. Luke 12. And let your eye run down the chapter, if you will. The verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man 
brought forth plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my goods? There's nothing wrong with that. The man's doing well in life. God is blessing him. Blessing him with the fruit of the field, with the labor of his hands. There's nothing wrong with that. But now, take note. Verse 17. And he thought within himself. There's his first problem. Thinking within himself and not bringing it to the Lord, if God will. I think within myself, I'll come back at another time. That man didn't get that time. And I'm thinking within myself, I wanted to be saved, or I'm thinking about getting saved, but just not tonight. And this man thought within himself. Thinking within ourselves, if it's not of God's Holy Spirit, can bring us to a lost eternity. What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Nothing wrong with that. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Ah, now things are changing. He didn't say, if God wills it, I will say to my soul. If God allows it, DV, Dio Valente. He didn't say any of it, if God wills it. He says, I'll just say to my soul, take thy knees, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, party it up, live it up, and enjoy it all without the thought of God. Without any thinking of the Lord. Verse 20, listen to what it says now. But God said, But God said, Thy fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Now note this. The Lord Jesus is telling this. And he says, But God said, The man said within himself. Then he turns it round and he says, But God said, Thy fool. The word here, fool, is the word afron. Afron. Sometimes when we read the word fool in, this, in, the, in the New Testament, it can be the word moros, where we get the word moron from. Someone is moronic in their ways and their thinking. But here it is not moros, but afron. And afron means one without reason. One without reflection. It gives the idea of one who acts rashly and hastily. And the Lord Jesus says, this man, putting himself first, taking everything for granted that God had blessed him with, he was a throne. Do you know where this word is also mentioned again? It's mentioned in many other places, but one that is mentioned in the Old Testament, where it is written in Hebrew, but the the Greek concordance of it, it is in Psalm 14 and verse 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The man who acts rashly 
the man who is one without reason, the woman who's without reflection on who God is or is there a God, but hastily spews out of their mouth, there is no God. They are a fool, according to the Scriptures. And the Lord Jesus says of this man, he says, but God said, thy fool, notice this night, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. What if that was your soul? You are a soul. What if it was you? Where would you stand before God? Verse 21, he says, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich. Would you say rich? Ah, uh, what way is it? Rich in what way? Rich toward God. Rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? So we take things for granted that we will have tomorrow. And the scriptures tell us, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, there's a, there's a little verse in Psalm 52. Just let me get it and I'll read it for you. It popped into my head just before I left tonight and I jotted it down. Psalm 52 on verse 7. And you tell me if this is the rich man, or pardon me, this man, I should say, from Luke 12, with all of the barns and all of the fruits of the field. 52 and verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. Where's your trust? In whom? And in what? We're told here that this man trusted in himself. Listen to what he says. And I'm just going to say it very quickly. He says, he said within himself, what shall, notice, I do. Because I have no room where to restore my fruits. And he said, this will I do I will pull down my barns and build bigger and there will I bestow all my fruits and goods and I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thy knees, eat, drink and be merry. I, 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 I and my. He kept saying it's I, I and my. This man was all full of self. All about me. And it was all the time it was God who had blessed him with that which he had, even the very breath in his nostrils, even the very breath of his lungs, the beat of his heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, if you'd like to turn with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, please.
verse 1. For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this, notice that the righteous and the wise and and their works are in the hand of God. Take note of this. Even whether it's the Christian who's working or the non-Christian who's working, no matter what they're building, no matter what they're doing, it's all in the hand of God, in the complete sovereign will of God. That the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. Now notice this, all things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. What is the writer of Ecclesiastes saying? He's saying whether you're saved or unsaved, whether you're righteous under the blood of Christ or you're unrighteous rejecting Christ, Whatever work you're doing, whether you're good on Christ or you're a sinner outside of Christ, he says, we all work, we all build, we all labor, we all want to do well. He says, but there's one thing, there's one event to each and every man and woman, one event, and that is the time of our demise. That is the time of our demise. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes, people may say, you know, it's all about doing what you can, and it says, sure, to take and taste and drink and eat, and sure, we can do that. It does, but the idea of the book of Ecclesiastes says, will you do that? This is the climax of Ecclesiastes. You do that, and you will that for yourself and continue on that, and this is the way it is. But at the end of it all, you'll stand before God. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is for. People think it's for it's written that we may sin as we want and live how we like and everything's all right because it's in the Bible. The end of it is that you will stand before God and give an account. Billy sang the old account was settled long ago. Is your account settled? Paul writes in Romans 4 that we will all give an account to God. I'll give an account of what I teach you and how I preach and the things I do and say. But you will give an account also. We must all stand before the judgment bar of Christ, the judgment seat. That is the beamer seat. We will all stand before it as believers. And then there's the great white throne judgment. We will not be before, but the unbelievers and the sinners will be there. But you will give an account of your life, your service. Notice here, we take for granted we're saved. That's it. We're saved and that's it. I'm going to be honest, I can only speak for myself here, so I'll speak about me. Brothers and sisters, every time I stand behind this sacred desk and every time I open this holy book and read from the sacred scriptures, every time I do it, every single time, 
When I'm in my study, when I'm looking to see what I'm going to bring on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, or a Bible study, every single one of them, I realize that I will stand and give an account. I'll stand and give an account of what I have preached in this place, and it will be brought before me. But you will stand and give an account of how you received or didn't. The sinner will give an account, but then it will be too late for the sinner. We take for granted that we're saved. And so we just tick along. Brothers and sisters, we're saved to serve. We are saved to serve. We take for granted that we will live forever. In the sense that we will live in this mortal coil and it's always someone else that passes through the veil. It's always someone else that their coffin is before us. And we're gathered around singing and we're reminded of them as a, the, the pastor of the minister stands and gives a eulogy of their life and we sing all of the songs and, and we stand there and uh, if it's me, I, I'm preaching the word to the people to try and get them. To, this is the demise of the human frame and we must be ready and saved before this time comes. And so many I've preached to over the years, so many that I've, I've put down into the ground, so many have stood around the graveside, one just a couple of weeks ago. In fact, I was talking to a couple here and they're at Big Ivers' uh, uh, funeral and and I just led a wee bit of the service, but he said to me before he died, I want you to preach at my funeral at the graveside. He says, because I know they'll hear your voice because you're loud. He says, but I know you'll not miss them and hit the wall. I says, don't you worry, Ava. I says, I'll be there, God willing. And the people were around, and I was raising my voice as much as I could that everyone would hear and none would miss it. Many of the faces were troubled and others of the faces couldn't care less and others walked away in the midst of it. It's not me they're turning away, it's Christ. It's Christ. In James 4, if you will turn again, please. In James 4 and verse 14, James says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, we don't know tomorrow. Listen, when I go to bed at night and I put my head on the pillow, when I eventually get to sleep, I don't know if you're one of those people, you just say, night, night, shutters come down and you're out. My wife's like that. And it really aggravates me. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> you know? She says to me, because the scripture says, he giveth his beloved sleep. You know, when I put my head on the pillow and eventually go to sleep, I'm not concerned, not that I'm taken for granted, but I'm not concerned if I will wake in the morning or not. But if you're not saved, you should be. And don't take it for granted. If you're not saved, you should be. 
you should be terrified to put your head on a pillow to go asleep lest you don't wake again if you're not saved. But if you're saved, as Spurgeon says, you can rest your head on the pillow of God's sovereignty and you can go to sleep in peace. Whether I wake in the bedroom or whether I wake in God's presence, either way, I'm still with the Lord. And so are you, believer, tonight. So are you. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Then he says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now I'm at that age where there's more years behind me, a good lot more years behind me than there are in front of me. Again, who knows how many. But I remember, and there's those who were older than me, and you'll remember the, probably the day you left school. And you think, was that that long ago? I seen a friend on social media put a, a post up that their daughter who I remember being born is now going to be a mommy and he's going to be a granda. It's been like that. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appeareth for a little while, a little time, and it vanishes away. Here's the thing, eternity. Where? Eternity. Where? Where will you spend eternity? Will you be with Christ, which is far better? Or will you be damned? Are you taking things for granted tonight? Taking it for granted that you're sitting in this place hearing the gospel when there's millions in the world who have not heard the gospel, who cannot hear the gospel because of regimes that they're sitting under? Are you taking for granted that you're here and maybe afterwards you, you'll maybe get a wee, is there a cup of tea later? Yes? You'll get a cup of tea, I was afraid to say, in case there wasn't any, you went down and you were dry. We take it for granted every second, every heartbeat, every minute. We take it for granted that we'll be here tomorrow on the next day and we take it all for granted. How quickly life passes by. Listen to this. A little example of the scriptures of the, the speed of life and the speed of death. Job chapter 7 and verse 6 says, listen to what Job says. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. 
My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now, you know, I'm not that cultured in what way weavers work, but I've seen them. And that little shuttle goes, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, nine, ten, day after day after day after day, one year, two years, three years, four, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, seventy. My days are faster, as it were, swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. But you see, you can spend your days with hope in Christ. Listen to Job chapter 9, verse 25 and 26. Now my days are swifter than a post. And what he's relating to here was a man who took the post, the postman. No, posty, posty. Was it, please be quicker, don't be slow or something like that, it goes. Be like Elvis, go man, go. Is that what it is? Was that you said that, Walter? Was that you? Don't be. Hey, you're a romantic, you see. I, uh. And then I got the post and there were special runners. And they ran with it. Special runners. And they were able to continuously run at a good pace to bring it to the next town or the next village or wherever it was going to. And here Joe Brooks at it and he says, he says, my days are swifter than a post. A runner. They flee away. They see no good. Verse 26. They are passed away as ships, as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. Do you ever see in those uh, wildlife things that the eagle is hovering or a bird of prey, then suddenly the wings go in, especially a peregrine falcon, and it's like an exorcet missile flying down to the prey. Job has been watching this. He says, my days are faster than that. I've been taking my life for granted. I've been taking every breath for granted. Every heartbeat for granted. Every bat of my eyelids I have taken for granted. Every breath of my lungs I've taken for granted. And I've used it for the wrong things. Listen, I used it for the wrong things for years. I used it in the wrong places for years. And it near killed me. It near took my life. It destroyed everything that I had. It took me and it bound me. And it stripped me of everything. Of my health and of my strength. And even of the will of my heart and mind. And I spent it without hope. I spent years serving the devil. I spent years in the world. Years giving him my everything and giving him my all without even realizing I was pouring my heart out to him and he was destroying me. You see, the thief cometh before, not for before to steal and for to kill and to destroy and that's what he does with many of us. And he destroys our very mentality and our ability. And I, for years, served the devil. My life was spent. My days are without hope. But you know what? He saw me plunge. 
in deep distress. He flew to my relief. For me, he bore the shameful cross and carried all my grief. To him I owe my life and breath and Savior to heaven the place of his abode he brings my weary feet shows me take for granted we give the devil our all and he destroys he kills he steals and he destroys but Jesus says I am come that they might have life might have it more abundantly we need to think differently. Fixing our eyes on Christ. Fixing our minds on him. Centralizing him in our lives. That our lives may revolve around Christ alone. That we would not take for granted the breath in our lungs. Beat of our heart. We must be prepared, even as the Lord says in Amos 4 and 12, prepare to meet thy God. We must be born again, even as Jesus said, except the man be born again or born from above or born of the Spirit, he cannot see nor enter the kingdom of of God. And we must realize there's nothing you can do to save yourself. Nothing. Don't care what complexion of skin you have, how rich you are, how poor and needy you feel and think that it is suffice for the kingdom. 
Only the blood of Jesus will save us from our sins. Jeff, put up majestic sweetness, sits enthroned. Do you know what, Caroline? Can you play it for me? 